Hey everyone, it's Nathan, this month's host of The Commentarians, and I'm here with... Mickey Underwood. And we're here to talk over your movie. Uh, hi everyone, welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. That's right, everyone. It's uh, The Commentarians, uh, everyone's favorite Christian show for Christian podcasters who want to be movie critics, but not all the time. And so, their wives, and sometimes. Their wives, and their wanna... wives, sometimes, but who want to be the wives all the time. Yes, yes. But will also want to date their husbands when they're so, recording podcasts. Like a work date. Yeah. <laughs> we do that on occasion. Sometimes. It's like going to the coffee shop and we're working across from each other on different projects. <laughs> Hey, I know you. We're together. So that being said, uh, as you have heard in the coming attractions, we're here. We're going to watch um, Stranger Than Fiction, a great movie. Will Ferrell, Emma Thompson, Dustin Hoffman, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Who else is in this movie that we know? Uh, the uh, Sonic commercial guys. The Sonic commercial guys. Oh, and uh, Queen Latifah. Don't forget her. Yes, her. That's She's important. Oh, and Buster Bluth. Yes, and Buster Bluth. <laughs> I forgot the Also known name. as, I don't know. I'm sure he has a real name, but for our Arrested <laughs> Development fans, you know exactly who we are talking about. <laughs> so, um, for those of you who tuned in last week, uh, you know that Mickey is my wife. I'm not going to ask her what makes her tick because... Uh, I would talk through the whole movie. We just would, yeah, we'd never get to the movie because she's a woman of many passions. <laughs> so, anyway, um, I don't know if that's appropriate to say on the air. But, I don't know. Anyway. It's your show. Yeah. Well, it's enough. Joe's show. It's Joe's show. We've kind of co-opted it. Hi, Joe. But, we miss you. Uh, yes, we miss you, Joe. Uh, uh, speaking of that, I, I do, I, we did hear from Joe. He said he's feeling good. He's been able to get up and down the stairs and should be back in the studio as soon as we are ready for him. And Joe, we are ready for you. We're always ready for you. So, um, be We glad. should watch a movie. We should watch a movie. So... Yes, so Stranger Than Fiction, for those of you not familiar uh, with it, we are going to talk a little bit about the plot, um, and we're going to have some other conversation about just topics that come up during the show. Um, if you're familiar with the commentarians and how we do things, we watch the movie together. So uh, we're going to do a countdown, three, two, one, play, and then we press play when we say play, just to avoid confusion. <laughs> hey, you, you know. One, that, two, three, go. Yeah, do you go on three, or do you? Go on one, or go on go. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we're, going, we're, we're playing on play. Playing on play. Yeah, just to avoid confusion there. And uh, so we're going to get into this movie and we're going to talk a little bit about um, why we chose this movie and what we like about it. So uh, I think that's, I mean, there's not really much more intro I really want to do here because we covered a lot of that on the, Let's the get coming into attractions. It. And, so we'll have something to talk about yeah, during the movie. Yeah, instead of just talking about talking about the movie. <laughs> All right, everyone, um, let's get queued up on zero for those of you out there if you don't have your movie ready. All right, so we have got our movies ready, set up on a counter on zero. 
And we're going to do play on play. So three, two, one, play. So we should see a bright light, um, which is being held by the... What studio's logo is this? I don't even remember. Columbia. Is it Columbia? Oh, it says right there. <laughs> it wasn't up yet. <laughs> Just in case anyone wants to know, it's uh, it's been a, a crazy week. We go back to school in a week, and we're full speed ahead, so we might be a little bit loopy, but it's going to be fun. Mandate pictures. Little drummer girl. Mm-hmm. Very serious drummer girl. Yes. And here we go. On to planet Earth. So this is the story of Harold Crick and his watch. I'm not going to do the entire, I'm not going to read all of it, but. So you got to, this opening, okay, so we talked a little bit about this in the coming attractions, but this movie, it, it starts out feeling like it's going to be kind of a Will Smith comedy movie. Or Will Ferrell, perhaps. Uh, that one, Will Ferrell. Man, got my Wills mixed like up. like them both. Yeah. A little uh, different, though. Yes. But, anyhow, it looks like it's going to be your typical Will Ferrell comedy movie with some, like, crazy uh, illustrations going on. Um, and actually, I, I saw a commentary on this where they're talking about how they decided to set this up kind of like a graphic user interface, like a computer, like his brain is a computer that's just cataloging everything as he goes about his day and so that being said i kind of feel like i get this whole bit here where you know you kind of get you the things that are routine you kind of take joy in like oh it takes me exactly this long to do this thing or exactly this many uh you know i don't count my brush strokes but you know or steps exactly but you know you get those routines and you they, they feel good and this guy kind of takes it to the extreme and so I still think I'm I'm fairly certain this would be me if I was not married with and did not have children. Everything's in order, everything has its place. So what are you saying about me? I'm saying <laughs> that you're a good yin to my yang. Oh, okay. Uh, well which of those is chaos though? I can't I don't know. I don't know. Well one's chaos and one's order. <laughs> So, of course, I was never as good at math as Harold is, but we've got a great introduction here. There's the Sonic guys you talked about. Makes me want a corn dog. Yeah, uh, and those commercials apparently are still running, last I heard. Yeah. Of course, I haven't seen commercials really that often, because I watch everything on Netflix or DVD. Right. Which we are watching a DVD, like a couple of troglodytes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> had a discussion this weekend with a coworker. I was on a teacher retreat this weekend and uh, he said he had found his old Walkman uh, <laughs> while he was like moving houses or apartments or something. And he was like, yeah, I used to have, you know, take my CDs with me everywhere in my Walkman. And one of my other coworkers and I were like, that was a Discman, <laughs> not, not even a <laughs> Walkman. Yeah. Come on. Speaking yeah. of technology, we're back to Harold's wristwatch, mm -hmm. and Harold's wristwatch is about to change the course of everything yeah. in Harold Crick's life and the movie. 
Yep. So one of the things I do think is kind of interesting here, you have these characters which are introduced very briefly, and then they're only ever in this entire film just peripherally, but they're very pivotal. And they come back later, the lady who uh, uh, winds up driving the bus and the boy on the bicycle. And then... So here's kind of where things get weird. Er. <laughs> is... So he's brushing his teeth, for those of you who are not watching. So the scene where he's brushing his teeth, he's he's going along his day, and all of a sudden he can actually hear the narrator that we've been hearing since the beginning of the movie. And as you might <laughs> Hello, imagine... toothbrush? <laughs> I love that he's talking into his toothbrush. Talking to me? <laughs> you know, as you can imagine, it kind of disrupts uh, his uh, his routine. And so this is the point where he starts to realize that something is either wrong with me or something's terribly wrong with reality. <laughs> well, that is a valid question. <laughs> yeah, well... I, it, I, I ask that question often. Well, it kind of reminds me... There's actually... It's kind of funny. There's an episode of Star Trek where uh, Beverly Crusher gets put into an alternate uh, universe like a that was accidentally created through some warp experiment that's slowly decaying. And as it's decaying, people are dropping out of existence slowly, but everyone, but her, and there's, there is a line in there. That's literally, she, she has the computer scan her for anomalies and brain activity and things like that. And, and she goes, so if nothing's wrong with me, there must be something wrong with the universe. (laughs) And I'm like, perfect. (laughs) Which is kind of funny. And so, so while we're getting into the deepening plot here, um, just a little tidbit on the the um, the characters that we'll see. Um, Harold Crick. They're all all of the characters are based on different historical um, figures that have contributed to um, science or uh, math or art in some way. Mm-hmm. And so um, it ties into their their roles within this universe right. as well. So um, Harold Crick, um, I had not his, it, it, the actual historical character is Francis Harry Compton Crick. And he was a molecular biologist, biophysicist, and neuroscientist. And um, he and his buddy, James Watson, um, co-authored a paper proposing the double helix structure of the DNA molecule and ended up um, winning the Nobel Prize. So kind of, you know. Good for him. Kind of not too shabby of a resume there. Yeah. For I, Mr. I, 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 take a, I take a Nobel Prize on my resume. <laughs> but... Um, and you were saying you had looked up some of the first names too. And I'd like looked the up some of the of names. first names. Uh, I do think, okay, so, you know, Harold, of course, means like messenger. Um, then there is Anna, which is a word for grace. Which I thought was kind of interesting as the, the lady at the bakery. Buster. <laughs> Buster, he's here. We don't know what Buster means. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we kind of know what it means, but anyway. Uh then I forgot to look up some of the others. I'll look up some of these as we, we kind of go on. But um, were, some, uh, were you going to wait with the other characters before you read? I, I thought until so, oh, we introduced them, but I could keep going if yeah. you want. No, so, well, okay, so we, we start looking at this. And so he's starting to wonder if he's going mad 
or if he's actually hearing someone narrate his life. And now the question, you know, as we go on through the movie, we find out that someone is actually writing the story of his life. And so we have to wonder at this point, is she writing that he hears her? Mm hmm. So it's only with her, you know, she's only, he's only able to hear her if she allows it. Right. Where are you going with this, Nathan? Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, we can kind of get into more of this later. But I do love the way that he's like so intently trying to like <laughs> demonstrate that, it, you know, that the voice is there, even though no one else can hear it. Right. And uh, Buster's character, I, I just, I have to call him Buster because one, I don't know his name in this movie. And two, that's just who he is to me now. But anyhow, he, he just seems like that, you know, he seems very understanding and very um, helpful to Harold's character, but he just seems like he's the happy IRS agent that is, you know, do, 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 this is what I do. And, <laughs> you know, just moving through life with no question or, you know, like, like this, this is just my role. This is, this is where I am. Right. And Tony Hale is the actor's name, not to okay. disrespect Thank you. him anymore. We, we love your work, Tony. Yes. Particularly arrest development. So here we have the introduction of Anna uh, Pascal, who is, you looked up her, her <laughs> Pascal. Um, Pascal, Blaise Pascal. Um, French mathematician, physicist, inventor, writer, and Catholic theologian. Yes. And for those of you familiar with, uh, Pascal's wager, which is, you know, we all, we all are kind of playing a game and wagering with our life, whether or not there is a God. And his take on it was, uh, if I, if I live as though there is no God and I find out there is one after I'm dead, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but if there's not a God and I live as though there is one, I really haven't lost much. Right. And so I find that interesting that here you have Harold Crick. He's he's confronted with this person whose name both means grace and also with Pascal's wager is someone who talks about how we all have this choice and we all have something we all need to to figure out what we believe and why and whether or not we're going to wager our life on whether or not we think that's true. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's just a fantastic, um, a, a fantastic, uh, illustration, a pairing of those names, a pairing of Pascal with another name that means grace. Now, whether or not Anna was specifically chosen because it means grace, I thought that was just a fantastic accident if it mm -hmm. wasn't intentional to pair those two things up where right. grace confronts you with the choice, just like Pascal and his, mm -hmm. um, his wager. Right. Especially played against the um, character of, of Crick, who, you know, they're looking at DNA and all of these things. And we talked in our, um, was that the last movie, Gattaca? Yeah. Mm -hmm. About, you know, what is predetermined and what can be played with or mm -hmm. what is fixed and what you can control versus the grace and the questioning and the wonder of... Mm. What is the, you know, so just playing those two characters off each other. Yeah. 
Now, this is a something kind of interesting. So, so, you know, he's there to audit her as a, as an agent and, you know, she, he says you only paid 78% of your taxes. And she says, well, that that's the 78% the government does that I agree with and the rest I don't agree with. So I'm not going to pay the taxes. Um, I kind of joked about getting into politics, uh, because of that in the, in the, uh, coming attractions episode, but I really want to actually kind of think about this for a minute because we do have this idea that if we pay taxes that we're complicit in any wrongdoing that goes on in the government and in the legal system. And, you know, I just, I, I, I don't think we can, I don't think we can see it that way because in all reality that, you know, taxes are kind of compulsory compulsory you know we're 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 made to pay them under the threat of penalty Mm -hmm. whether that be more uh you know monetary penalty or jail time or what have you Mm -hmm. it's not something we do voluntarily it's not like we sign up a form and say you know what here's a menu oh what's on the menu oh i'm gonna order a war you know right (laughs) i'm gonna gonna spend my put my money on a war and and or you know let's make it a little more personal for our uh even you know more evangelical crowd which i you know i think we're i don't necessarily think of myself as evangelical i'm sorry this line right here is hilarious he's like i'm not cursing the heavens i'm cursing you leave me alone <laughs> he's talking to the narrator yeah. um now um but uh so you know when when uh i hear christians talking about how we're gonna we're we're gonna pay for the government's tax dollars that are spent towards uh abortion aid and different provision stuff like that or you know that's just an example um because it's an easy one but and you know it's you like see those peripheral characters again mm-hmm. just kind of blipping yes uh, and actually you know so it's interesting because this is actually kind of a tell because you only ever see them after that intro scene you only ever see them when she's in the scenes where she's trying to plot out harold's death uh-huh so that they are kind of a tell yeah, so she knows they're going to be involved. So she knows somehow. those two characters are going to be involved, and whether and I don't. What I want to know is, does she see? Because towards the end, all right, towards the end, when she freaks out when the phone rings, mm-hmm. she had something that was giving her an inkling that somebody was being affected by her writing, and I want to know if she was mm-hmm. seeing those characters in her scene, or when she was, uh, you know, what I'm saying, I, I want to know if she was seeing them at the places she was practicing for Harold's death. Um, I think that's pretty cool. So, huh. um, but you know, I, I, but that goes back to the whole, and I think I've touched on this with the, uh, I don't, did we talk about that? I'm trying to remember if we talked about the faith and the oddities about like how the church isn't the government and the government's not the church. And we I can think so. conflate those two. Yeah. And so, you know, I think when we, when we start trying to tell the church, we're going to be complicit for what the people outside the church do. I just think that's unbiblical. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, because I can't find a time when God punished Israel for the neighbors doing something. It's only when right. Israel started doing those things. So yeah. the church is going to be complicit for the parts they take part in. Right. So It would be nice, though, to be able to pick and choose which parts of government you would like to pay taxes for. Um, I have <laughs> joked with somebody about GoFundMe. Just GoFundMe for everything, because <laughs> then people will be like, yeah, yeah, sure, we need a... We need new roads. We'll pay for roads. We'll, you know. Yeah, maybe may compulsory that you still have to pay a certain percentage of your income, but you get to choose how to funnel that 
to make sure because there would be some people that are like, ah, it's mine. You yeah. know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe we're going far afield. We are going <laughs> quite far afield, but that's okay. But no, that's, that's, that's some, those are some thoughts that I've had. But so since we started that conversation, we've been introduced to two more characters. Um, this is, what's her name? Eiffel. I can't Karen remember. Eiffel. Karen Eiffel. Eiffel. Probably recognize that name. Architect. Uh huh. That um, helped build the or kind of orchestrated the building of the Eiffel Tower. Um, and so she's kind of the obviously architect behind this whole mm-hmm. spiel, schlubbing. Yeah. And then, uh, then Queen Latifah plays Penny Escher, who is uh, interesting because I, I, I thought that was interesting because all of Escher's work is forced perspective. Mm hmm. And what's she here to do? She's here to force some perspective mm-hmm. on the architect. Mm-hmm. I didn't think either about this earlier until you said that, uh, how the, um, you know, we had talked about why uh, the walls are all white. And it's so like all of Escher's, like, or at least all the ones I've seen are like pen and ink, mm-hmm. all like black and white. And so a lot of his stuff. And is, you yeah. have all these white walls. And then we talked about, was it it? Was it Evan Almighty? Evan Almighty, Bruce Almighty. That. Um, basically, most when, movies that portray some kind of divine encounter scene. It's all like God is in a white room, white, you know, mm-hmm. area. And um, I don't know if that has anything to do with the force perspective. Like you were saying, like it's so unimaginable that you have to leave space for it or I don't well, you know, I, I think, okay, so what, what I was saying with that, there's, I think there's two things going on there. There may be more if I think of another one, I'll just tack it on. Um, but the, uh, the two things that come to mind is, is like you said, that heaven is so glorious, it's so unimaginable um, that we just kind of leave whatever the place God inhabits as just kind of up to the imagination of the person viewing um, the other thing is you kind of have this idea whenever you, in, when you encounter your godlike characters that you're so focused on them, why would you need anything else to focus on? Yeah. Um, so I, I think those are a couple things that are, that are kind of interesting there. Um, the scene is hilarious too. The psychiatrist <laughs> or the counselor is, is it? Now, here's the thing. He, he sees this guy who's like a counselor. I think this is like their in-house guy. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Is, I wonder if he's like in-house or HR or, or what Which not. Which doesn't strike me as the kind of person the IRS would employ. For, well, they, they may go knows? out of their way to employ someone like that because you have so many people like Harold who are just kind of ticking clock type personalities. Yeah, yeah. And now... Now, here's the thing, though. That's how they're portrayed on screen. I actually have known a few different people who work for the IRS, and they're actually really great people, mm-hmm. um, full of personality and, and great senses of humor. But I, I, love, um, I love this here. When he starts thinking of Anna, you see the clouds behind him start moving. They do all this subtle stuff to, to talk about how he's getting drawn out of his own perspective. He can't stay focused in the moment anymore he's not able to just count tiles or <laughs> or steps or anything like that uh when he when he goes into this uh thinking when he starts thinking about uh miss pascal mm-hmm. 
And then he's told to take a vacation, which is always a good idea. <laughs> I, uh, I, I will not turn one down, that's for sure. But if someone calls it vacay, I don't know if I'm in for that. Yeah, yeah, there's a... I, I can't take that seriously. Mm-hmm. Does, the, does this guy have a name? I don't know if we learn his name, because this is his only scene, isn't it? I, I believe so. Dr. Kaylee. Okay. So I don't know if we ever looked that up. <laughs> so, and here's the scene where Harold's watch goes rogue. Now, I do love, okay, so th- the thing is, I love that scene because she's walking past the guitar shop. And later on, that's where he winds mm-hmm. up when he talks, when he's talking about things he wants to pursue. It's the guitar shop. Mm-hmm. And so really, and I can speak to this as being an artist and a musician, um, where that is kind of what we're looking for. Like we can pursue music, we can pursue uh, art, we can pursue all these things, but really what we're looking for is a relationship. And so the, you know, when he goes, when he's talking about the thing that he really wants, he's like, oh yeah, I want to play guitar. But it's just missing that thing he's looking for, which is that relationship. Oh, yeah. And so I, that just occurred to me because I just happened to notice in the shot that that's the guitar shop he winds up in later. Mm-hmm. Although him pursuing his passion for playing the guitar is what leads him to like solidify his relationship with Anna later. Lead, so. Leads him to a, <laughs> a, a really good relationship. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, it's because I played, well, not because I played guitar explicitly, but uh, me playing guitar and, and pursuing a lot of things musically is, is what uh, led me to meet my wife in a roundabout way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's you. But, yeah. Me, for anyone me, who's, me. <laughs> for anyone who hasn't picked up on that, I can't remember <laughs> if I ever introduced my wife earlier or not, but <laughs> we say a lot of things in this show. <laughs> And this is where I can also identify with Harold Crick. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he is trying to figure out where this voice is coming from. And so he's trying to, like, make her start talking again. But she's gone completely silent. So he's kind of going rogue. And... No, I get, I get this scene. I've, I've had times like that where I'm like, especially, you know, if you, if you put her in the, the place of a godlike character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's in, in this world, she is the God of this, of the, the universe that's created here. And so it's like, well, let's, uh, why aren't you talking now? This is the time when I actually want you to say something. Mm-hmm. And I love that he sits down and he's, Harold is distraught. <laughs> distraught. Oh, this is him speaking <laughs> this now. This is him speaking. <laughs> <laughs> It's like David in in the Psalms. <laughs> yeah, and 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 Will Ferrell does this so well. I mean, he really his acting in this movie is so much. I mean, I don't. I want to say let's say it's better, but it's a different style than what he typically does, mm-hmm. and he just really brings it to every bit of this performance. And <laughs> I love this scene where she's talking about that it's. Uh, schizophrenia and he's convinced that it's not um i've had plenty of atheist friends that whenever i talk about prayer want to say that i'm crazy 
um, like who have said that to my face, which it doesn't bother me. I get it. Christianity is weird if you're on the outside, I think. I would assume. I don't know. That I've, <laughs> I haven't been on the outside for years. Yeah, and this is like she's the the psychiatrist is diagnosing him with schizophrenia, and mm -hmm. he's like, "No, I'm telling you, it's not that. If it could be anything else, what would you say it would be? Schizophrenia. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she can't fathom this other thing. Like she's got her lens that she's seeing everything through, and mm -hmm. like, well, and that's the big criticism of of Abraham is that he was a schizophrenic who tried to murder his son, and but, of course, that's a whole nother topic we can get on. But I do love his description of the voice. Is like, she's not telling me to do things. She's saying things that I've already done with a better vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, and I forgot. I missed, I missed the scene earlier where the narrator says that the watch, resetting the watch was going to lead to his imminent death. And he's like, what? Because <laughs> like, like, he had, he had kind of gotten to where he was tuning her out. And then and he's like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was thinking through what you were saying earlier about uh, this being a really different style movie for Will Ferrell. And I'd watched a um, interview with the director of the movie, mm -hmm. uh, Mark Foster, uh, Forster, sorry. And, um, He's well known for um, Monsters Ball, Finding Neverland, um, Stay, The Kite Runner, Quantum of Solace, Machine Gun Preacher, World War Z, like, and then Christopher Robin. So like a huge range. Yeah, of, very, very wide yeah, range. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess after, uh, in, when he was talking about the different movies and how they were so different and how this one was really not like terribly well received. Um, I mean, it wasn't wildly popular be at first because everyone was expecting the Will Ferrell slapstick mm -hmm. SNL style comedy. Um, but he said, you know what? I'd had this success with Finding Neverland and I just wanted to go for it and do what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And um, and he ended up, you know, all of these great names and all of these actors were on board because they kind of felt the same way. It's like mm -hmm. we've had our, um, you know, I guess fiscal success and, you know, the, oh, yeah. all well, the popularity, but we want to do something different that we believe in. And Yeah, and, and it's amazing. I mean, because I imagine, I'm guessing the actors maybe didn't take a huge salary off of these off this movie because it was made on like 30 million dollars which in mm -hmm. hollywood terms i mean that's like pocket change and it, this is this is just i don't know i i wish it had been better received because it is i think it's just a just a fantastic movie otherwise we wouldn't be doing this right right <laughs> that's why we're here so um Yes, and I'm trying to think. There was another bit that I wanted to to bring up. Um, I did think it was funny when he was measuring, like you could see, like in his mind, he was measuring how full the soap dispensers were. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was funny because I do that, but it's not because I care. It's because it's my job to like keep track of how full soap dispensers are. <laughs> right. <laughs> you guys have so much in common. 
Well, and now we've met um, Hilbert, um, who was a mathematician as well, um, played by Dustin Hoffman. Um, I also watched an interview with him, and he was apparently he went through a huge I I I don't know if it was a mental breakdown, but a huge like um, bout of depression and like after he had won all of these awards. He just kind of like, I don't know, like freaked out because he was like, look at all of the success. What if I can't? What if the next one's not just as good or what if mm-hmm. the next one's not better? Right. And what if, you know, and so he just like did not act for years. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm not sure if this was his first rollback, but um, there the interviewer was talking about well, why did you take this supporting role when you've been like this huge name, lead character in all of these award-winning films? And he's same thing. He was like, I just wanted to do something that I loved, that felt good, that the character was interesting. And, mm-hmm. um, and he just went all in like, yeah. um, like Nathan was talking about when we were watching it the other day, how uh, he's always drinking coffee, like mm-hmm. <laughs> always has coffee. So that was like one of the, the things. And then uh, Dustin Hoffman was saying like in his uh, office, oftentimes he's barefoot. So yeah. it's kind of, and he I did notice is that. changing his clothes and mm-hmm. he is putting a suit coat on because it's like, that's his world. That's his home. Mm-hmm. That's where yeah. he lives. No, I, I know yeah. some people who are like that at work, but the, um, <laughs> Okay, so this scene here I think is interesting because it starts out he's like he's totally absorbed in his work. He's also kind of ignoring the narrator, and then the narrator says, "And Miss Pascal, upon the scene, Miss Pascal should appear." And he like pops his head up to look for her. <laughs> um, Thanks for the heads up there. So, so first off, this scene is is just so fun in the way it's shot um, because if, you know if you're not watching, they're on an articulated bus, and he's on the last seat of the first part of the bus you know it's the bus with the joints in the middle that bend and so he's sitting sideways in this last seat but the last seat kind of she's sitting in the first seat of the second car and so they're kind of it's kind of swinging back and forth but it's it's interesting because it's set up kind of like a confessional scene where there's a curtain between them you know, in this mm-hmm. figurative, well, I mean, it, this accordion, whatever right. you want to call right. it there on the bus. But, you know, and, and he does, he, he uses this time to apologize to her. And um, they kind of start mending their relationship here in this confession and mm-hmm. this forgiveness. And so I think that's um, interesting. But that, but I love this because it gives it this great moment. One, because you get to play with the camera angles. You get to kind of follow Will Ferrell around if you're in the back, and then you get to follow him around when you're in the front. But it gives this moment, it's kind of this break for Will Ferrell's character um, to have a moment to, to think uh, in, in the midst of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then I love the, the he quickly calculated... Uh, the odds of making a fool out of himself. <laughs> and I'm off and the bus. Like, this is my stop. <laughs> and and I love the, uh, he made small talk. You have very straight teeth. Very small talk. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, you know, I, I did say uh, not many people can do smug quite like uh, 
Jude Law last month. Okay, watch here. This is, I love that where the numbers change. For, <laughs> it changes from the numbers to A-N-A for, because he keeps getting distracted. But now, uh, now I said last month that there's not many people who can do smug like Jude Law, but um, mm-hmm. uh, Emma Thompson really brings it. Right. She really brings the smugness to this role. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's everyone here, I think just, like you said, Dustin Hoffman just inhabiting the role of this professor mm-hmm. who's who's overbooked. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Uh, he, yes. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this, no. his wall of books. He's He's got an entire wall of bookshelves with one little television in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, I lo- yeah, I love the perspective. Um, there's a couple things. I mean, and the director on this, um, uh, Forster, he he really he really paid attention to a lot of detail on this. Uh, one of the things uh, there's a there's a scene later where it's raining and they're in the office talking. And I'm saying this now in case I forget to bring it up. But when it goes back to them talking in the office, it's raining in the office too, because just to show that they're inhabiting the same mm-hmm. space. That. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of, you know, if you want to run with that kind of imagery, we tend to think of God as someone who's way far away, but really he inhabits the same space. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, you know, it's God's closer than we think he is. Mm-hmm. And right. so that's, that's one of the things that, you know, he's, he's involved. He's not just off somewhere, not caring about us. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so Dustin Hoffman's character Hilbert has come up with this 23 question, um, test to see if he can narrow down which author, um, it is, or rather isn't that is writing Harold Crick's imminent death. And, um, uh, Hilbert, the historical figure, Hilbert, um, is best known for his contribution to the world of mathematics for proof theory, which um, I don't know a lot about proof theory. But um, so if you're a mathematician, please like write in or something and clarify things. But from what I understand, it's basically like you run things through a grid to figure out what. <laughs> you know, to mm-hmm. solve your equation or to solve your problem. And so that's, that's what Hilbert is doing here, you know? Yeah, no, I, 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 that is actually a really good, really good point. And I actually, I, I didn't get a chance to look and I want to look up and see if maybe the, uh, if the rest of those 23 questions are somewhere written down, I wonder if they got, <laughs> if they're, mm-hmm. if they're out oh, the, probably, on the internet somewhere. Probably. Yeah. And I love that Harold is just so incredulous. He's just <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? I'm relieved to know I'm not a golem. <laughs> this is not how this works. <laughs> it's like, this doesn't fit in my calculator. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing, like, in this, this humor is just, it is just right up my alley. And, and so there you have these same characters here. And she's imagining herself in the car. You got the boy, got the car. Bus driver's not involved in this scene. She's there. But she's there. But she's not involved yet. And so this is this is this is a weird 
the the suicide or not suicide, but the death scenes in this are Mm -hmm. are all very jarring. Yeah. Um, Whenever you're whenever you come in contrast to how light the rest of the movie is. Mm -hmm. And then there's Escher's bright yellow umbrella when everything else is dark and brown Mm -hmm. and black and dreary. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> pneumonia that's an interesting way <laughs> and to... everything leads back to the thought of death for him mm-hmm. <laughs> and and emma thompson is just neurotic through this whole film and so this is one of my favorite lines and mm-hmm. uh, where coming up where she says she offers her some nicotine patches she says i don't need nicotine patches i smoke cigarettes <laughs> and as Got a, it covered yeah as a former smoker i know that feeling <laughs> now the the line that was before that is the one i identify with <laughs> she says sitting in the rain doesn't write write books and uh Emma Thompson's character says, well, that shows just how much you know about writing books. Like, I do most of my best, I do my best lesson planning in the shower. Yeah. Because it's like when my brain can finally stop and think and... Yeah, get some space. Yeah, see, yeah. here's the, sorry, but here's the rain I was talking mm-hmm. about, so... Uh, Have we, do you want to introduce the uh, idea of the Jesus character yet? Or uh, No, let's, I, I don't want to get to the, the idea of the Jesus character okay. just yet, because we haven't really, I mean... We kind of have this idea. I mean, for those, ultimately, we kind of have Harold is is a Christ character. The watch is kind of the Christ character too. Mm-hmm. But you know, for those of you who have seen the movie, you know where the that's all heading. Um, but when we'll talk a little more in depth about that. But um, I do love the scene where he goes and he goes to play guitar, and you know, for several years, I I've. I sold guitars uh, for a national guitar chain and I had a lot of customers who would be, you know, in their thirties, forties, fifties. And they're like, just start just picking it up for the first time. And they're like, I don't know that I'll ever be any good. I'm like, as long as you enjoy it, it's all that matters. Sorry. I was just laughing. He just poured his like, half finished cup of coffee back in his coffee pot and put it back on the warmer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'll get back to that later. That's how Emily drinks coffee a lot of time. <laughs> just so you know, you've been out at Emily. When, when I was single, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> so. Although I, I don't know if she does that anymore, but she used to when she was <laughs> doing grad school. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta have it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm keep seeing all the crazy things around his apartment mm-hmm. which is his office yeah his office uh-huh. sorry which he lives there might as well be basically so we have mr crick back on the job he took a few vacation days to collect himself we think and now he's <laughs> keeping a log of whether he's in a comedy or a tragedy <laughs> because dr hilbert has told him uh if it's a tragedy, you die. If it's a comedy, you get hitched. Yeah. So now he's making tally marks whenever there's a comedic interaction with uh, Anna. He gets a, and if, if it's a um, dark 
moment he gets a tally for tragedy. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's actually the the ancient Greek tragedies and comedies. They were like that. A tragedy would start out as something. It would probably start with something great like a wedding and end up with a funeral. And then a comedy would start with something bad and end up with a wedding. That's generally how they would go, which is actually kind of interesting. I can't remember which who it is. I should look this up and put it in the show notes. There is, there's a doctor, I want to say it's David Allen, but I could be wrong. Uh, he, he was doing uh, some study on the Bible as a comedy um, because it starts with the fall of man and ends with the wedding feast and the return of, of Christ. Mm-hmm. And he actually talks about even some of the more absurd things I wish I could remember which one. I'm pretty sure it's David Allen. I'll, I need to look it up. And if it's, if I'll post it in the show notes, but he was on an episode of naked Bible and he was talking about how, uh, even some of the things we would think of as comedic in the more modern sense, uh, with the disciples, like when, uh, when Jesus was walking on the water that, um, the disciples see a figure walking on the water. And one of the first things they say is, Oh no, I think this is a ghost. Well, that's something that would, wouldn't happen because in Greek literature, ghosts couldn't cross water. That's why they needed Chiron uh, to take them huh. across the river Styx in a boat. Mm-hmm. And so um, whenever you have the gospel writers saying, we thought maybe it was a ghost, it's basically just an illustration of how poorly... Uh, uh, literate in Greek mythology, they would have been, huh? So, uh, so it would have actually been ridiculous for any of them to think that. Apparently, uh-huh. during the time. Interesting. So there's your there's a a side note. Huh. So learn something every day. Yeah. So again, I'll try to provide citation for that in the show notes if I can find it. So. Here we get a little bit more of a glimpse into Harold's life. And, you know, I don't understand how a man doesn't like cookies. Yeah. Well, well I mean, his I guess mom we, never made him cookies. I guess we find out, yeah, because his mom never, you know, he, show, he always got store-bought cookies. I guess yeah. that, would, that would probably do it. If you've only it. ever had store-bought cookies, you may not like cookies. That's Unless true. they're Oreos. Oreos, store-bought uh, well, Oreos, I don't know if anyone actually likes them or because there's been, there's been speculation that it actually has a sub, that actually triggers an addictive type of chemical reaction in your brain. So I don't know if we actually really? like them. I don't know if that article had any credibility. No. I'm, I'm not saying I'm sure Oreos. sure it wasn't the onion. I'm not saying Oreos are addictive, <laughs> but I read an article once that seemed to imply that Oreos might actually be addictive. So I cannot confirm nor deny it. I'm not a scientist, but (laughs) so it's possible. No one actually likes Oreos, but we just want them. We just have to have them. (laughs) So. It's just written in our story. Yeah. (laughs) And I love this where she's confessing to him now, like, I made sure you had an awful day. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I want to apologize for that and give you mm. some, give you a cookie. Another one of my favorite quotes from her is uh, earlier in 
like earlier in the day, these he's like, these are your tax records? No, actually, I'm quite fastidious. <laughs> fastidious. I put them all in this box just to screw with you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking of audits and bad auditor situations, so I grew up in the country on a farm and my dad had a friend who owned a feed store. And he was getting, he got a notice that he was going to be audited and he had to provide a, a space for the auditor to work. And so back in the back of one of the feed barns, he had this desk that happened to have a chicken, like a hen setting in yeah. one of the drawers. <laughs> and he sat him back there and was, and was like, Look, you need to clean that desk out. He's like, I got a hen sitting on eggs. Are you going to cause me to suffer a loss because of your presence here? And apparently the audit didn't last more than a day. That's hilarious. <laughs> so I don't know. I just thought of this and this may have nothing to do with anything, but like um, she was talking about, like they were talking about how she became a baker mm -hmm. and she said, well, I was in law school, you know, or I went to college and he was like, oh, a cooking college. Mm -hmm. Like, no, actually I was in law school. Yeah. You know, and she was studying to become a lawyer but she started making cookies for their study groups and everyone loved them and she could tell that it was helping them study and be happier and so she became a baker you mm -hmm. know and everyone else has you know this path that is charted out for them and she's like well, i'm charting my own path you know mm -hmm. i don't know if that ties in with their the juxt juxtaposition of their characters uh, it it probably does because I, I I do think there is I mean we kind of see the world through our own lens mm -hmm. and someone like Harold I'm sure would see the world through his lens that if you're going to go to school you have your path charted out you do it by the numbers everything mm -hmm. adds up and you're done mm -hmm. you know and the idea of deviating from that path um it's kind of interesting the idea of deviating from his routine and his path and his numbers um, probably didn't even occur to him until the narrator broke into his uh -huh. life. Yeah. So, which, which is another <laughs> interesting right. uh, parallel. So, this is, of course, she's trying to be nice. He's trying to um, not get fired. Right. And... He's, you know, he's not trying to be rude, but he obviously can't take the cookies. Mm -hmm. So um, then he offers to pay for him. And this is actually kind of an interesting parallel here, too. Like, you know, he's like, I see that these are good cookies. Can I pay you for these cookies? And she's like, no, you can't pay for these cookies. The cookies are a gift. And if you want to try to pay for the cookies, we're going to throw yeah. them in the trash. Yeah. And, you know, you uh -huh. can look at that as kind of this parallel yeah. for the gospel of, you know, we can't. The whole camel we, in the needle bit. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. Well, we can't we can't earn our way to heaven. We can't um, we can't get there by works. Mm -hmm. um, we don't get the cookie through works. <laughs> yeah. Cookie in the sky. <laughs> Sounds like a Beatles song. Uh, <laughs> it's almost. Oh, and he says, I think I'm in a tragedy. 
And she just nods knowingly. Like, uh, yeah. Well, and yeah, well, I think, I think she, <laughs> of course she is, is looking at it from a different perspective of like, yep, you work for the IRS. You're a numbers guy. You're not doing what you enjoy. Yeah. Your life is a tragedy mm-hmm. uh, from her perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that, that is kind of. You know, you kind of put that that element in there too, back into the earning salvation thing, where, where you know she's uh, she's kind of saying, yeah, you you misunderstood the message. So yeah, it's a tragedy when you misunderstand that you think you can buy what I've already done for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, for those of you who are sensitive to old men <laughs> in the locker shower and nudity, um, mm-hmm. you don't see any straight on here, but you will get some. Some backside some shots cheeks. here in just a minute. So. It cracks me up the way this is filmed, though, because it's like they're obviously, you know, taking showers, but they're completely behind the shower pool the mm-hmm. whole time. Yep. So this is just an odd, it's an oddly built shower. Like, mm-hmm. I've never seen I, a shower either. room like that. Mm-mm. Of course, I don't go swimming much, so <laughs> who knows? They may be everywhere <laughs> for all I know. And now, Professor Hilbert is off to be the lifeguard, the faculty lifeguard on duty, because he has, because he lives there. It's, yeah. This is what he does. Yeah, which is just funny, because I know a lot of people who are like this, that they just are always looking for another project, and they like helping out and being a part. So... Yeah. So his advice to Crick was to do nothing for a day. Absolutely nothing, and see if and see if the plot is forced forward. Mm -hmm. And so he's literally doing nothing, like sitting on the couch. Does not even get up to use the restroom. He uh, has his little bedpan. I don't know what that is called. It's a bottle collection device. Just sitting. Won't even change the channel on his TV, even though everything on it's, it's TV about <laughs> is about death. The nature channel, like, it's all the predators. Well, and I love, too, that he has, um, that he's, he set out food the night before. So it's all the food's in arm's reach. So he doesn't even have to, like, get up mm-hmm. to feed himself. But, of course, as he's sitting here, something happens. The phone rings. But, can't get it. But does Harold get it? Does he? (laughs) Does he? I'm sorry. (laughs) So, yeah, this this scene. This is why people don't usually, like, they don't usually shoot people watching television in movies right yeah there's not exciting not a lot of remarkable stuff going on right here (laughs) hence our lack of remarks Mm -hmm. but this is a great movie it's riveting although will ferrell's expressions in this scene Mm -hmm. are funny and now his watch is going crazy again as if it's trying to warn him and there goes his apartment wall yeah 
So thus the plot was forced forward. Mm-hmm. And now I will say if this was actually a demolition of the building, they would have been more thoroughly yeah, <laughs> searched yeah. out because... But a crazy lady is writing this story, so... That's also true. It's okay. Although crazy people write a lot of stories. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. No, no. Yeah, a... I think it makes this plausible. And then he... <laughs> So then he's forced to uh to move to then he's forced to move out of his apartment. So moves in with Tony Hale's character. Yes. There. Dave is his name in this movie. Dave, thank you. Not Buster. Not Buster. He goes from Buster to Dave, but not Dave to Buster. Is that a restaurant? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dave and Buster's. <laughs> I was, I was hoping you'd pick up on that. <laughs> Got one. So we do kind of have it is. Kinda, oh, do you? I didn't notice on the blackboard behind him. It's all the way his these characters that died. Somebody's uh -huh. amputated hand. Layla's smallpox. <laughs> Apparently, he's been teaching on tragedy today. Yeah, and so I do find it interesting that. Uh, Harold just he keeps coming back to the professor uh, to find out more. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we we don't have a and, and what's interesting, we don't have a single Christ figure in this show. Mm -hmm. We actually have kind of a few. And mm -hmm. we and although I guess more he could probably actually be more like the Holy Spirit character, really. Yeah. Um, Ooh, water. All that. Yeah. OK, sorry. So good. Um, but yeah, he's, he, he's the, he keeps going to him to, to try to figure out what's going on. And of course, <laughs> this line here, which is great. Who chooses Harold? We pause to think, I believe you'd realize that answer is extremely contingent upon the type of life being led and the quality of the pancakes. <laughs> 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 So, um, yeah, I personally don't know that there's any pancakes that are good enough for that, but I haven't had any. Yes, yeah, so maybe, maybe some breakfast sausages. Just, so he says, you're going to die. You have to die. Yeah. Have to accept Just it. Just go and make it the life you've always wanted. Yeah. So here we have, uh, Miss Anna again, being kind to the homeless people. Giving away some bakery treats. And this is kind of where Harold has a realization about how he can help her avoid prison mm -hmm. or fines. Probably a fine at this point. Right. While also not getting fired. Yeah. And so this is where you have Harold. He's actually literally forced, like, via... Uh, destroying machine i don't know what i don't know what what implement that was you called need to ask your brothers-in-law yeah my brother both my brothers-in-law uh run large equipment i think it was like a traco with some kind of pincher claw thing that's the technical term uh i don't know what you call him but he's 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 forced into a place where now he is he's basically 
Dustin Hoffman's character, the Holy Spirit, if you want, if you will, for, <laughs> for the sake of our analogy, has basically said, "Here's what here's what's going to happen. You're going to have to die, but you got to make a decision about how you're going to live." And so he's he's literally forced out of his home. He's forced out of an, an, the option of just being comfortable. To the point, you know, he's living with someone from work for a little while, and he's having to actually examine his life and go. I haven't lived for anything greater than myself. I haven't had any deep desires or goals. I have just lived by the numbers and I've been a, I'm just going to live by the numbers and help other people figure out their numbers. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Now I do have to say space camp might actually be kind of fun. Are you saying that? Check out the light fixture. Did you see it? No. It was a, it was a oh, the hand. hand. Yeah. And then now he's brushing his teeth. No hoping. one's counting his brush, brush strokes. But he's not either. He's just going for it. Just yeah. get those teeth, man. <laughs> get them. <laughs> man, life has changed for Harold Crick. <laughs> yeah. And so then he, then he decides, you know, it's uh, going to go out, going to do this guitar thing. Which, when was this movie made? 2005, I think. Mm, sounds about right. Around that time, yeah, YouTube was out. You could really learn some stuff on the internet about how to play mm -hmm. guitar. You really teach yourself. But the, uh, but Will Ferrell actually is a, a decently talented musician. So I always like it whenever he gets to put that into a movie. He gets to play guitar. 2006. 2006? Close okay. Enough. Missed it by that much. <laughs> this takes me back, though, because I do remember when I was actually, when I was working at Guitar Center, there was um, those all the stickers. That was the stickers that were on the front of all the Stratocasters. I remember those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know if those are on there still in the new ones. They probably changed them since then. But pretty nice classic seafoam green strat. Classic kind of rockabilly 60s color. <laughs> the guitar looked him directly in the eye and plainly stated, I rock. Here we are for no one likes blood. Sorry, I forgot to warn you on that. This scene kind of snuck up on me. Yeah, we're in the emergency yeah. room looking for another way to kill Harold Crick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like this next part. The nurse, she's, she's asking the nurse all sorts of invasive questions. Mm -hmm. And the nurse is like, is there something, is there something wrong with you? Or do you, do you have an yeah. ailment or something like that? Are you suffering like from anything? Yeah. And she's like, oh, just writer's block. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this is it's kind of I don't know. There's and and there are writers. I know I've known of lots of writers who will go to these extremes to figure out what the next part of their story is going to be. And I don't know if I have that kind of commitment. So you're working on you're kind of casually working on a fiction. Yeah, book, I but. 
But some, I wonder, mo- most of what you've written has been more, um, kind of, I ba- guess, research. Kind of based on past experience. Yeah. I haven't gone out of my way to find any of that, so I'm not... I mean, it's it's based on past experience with a bunch of fictional scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> that never happened, but I'm not going to go into the plot because it's barely started. So yeah. we'll get there. I've I've only done research but it hasn't been a lot of like real life research yeah I've written papers and what I another thing I find interesting is there's there's a oh, sorry there's terrible vomiting in the money python mm. scene here but one of the things I find interesting throughout this movie that it took me a few watchings to notice was that there's a lot of there's a lot of recurring scenes and locations or a lot of recurring locations in the background, which I find kind of interesting because it is to kind of reinstall like restate this idea that he, this world is being built inside the mind of one writer. Mm-hmm. And so like when he passed the guitar store earlier or when he, at the same bus stop or it's that same fruit stand or it's, you know, just all these things that tend to recur in, in certain types of fiction whenever, mm-hmm. and I guess imagine it, you'd even in a rough draft, you'd probably see more of that than you wouldn't finish product. Yeah. Um, I was, I was thinking with the, that the recurring locations that it was more of, you know, like, it's the same spot. His situation hasn't changed. He hasn't gone anywhere different. Nothing's new. It's all his perspective and his mm-hmm. his outlook and his purpose has changed. So even though he's walking by the, you know. Oh, yeah. that That's actually this, really, yeah. That's a really good point, too. I hadn't considered that angle of it. And I, now she's, sorry, go ahead. Okay, no, go with you. Now he's, he's brought Anna some flowers. <laughs> yes but they're not blooming flowers they're like different types of flower like almond flower and like baking flour yeah which is so sweet yep and I... oh he's got her now <laughs> this this is this is one of the like most awkward <laughs> scenes He's Will Ferrell does awkward like very few people. <laughs> yeah. And one one of the things that um I really like about Will Ferrell the Will Ferrell in like the interviews and things I've seen with him, he he seems very much like he's just kind of like I didn't expect to be this famous either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a comedians in cars getting coffee, there's a there's they make uh, Jerry references uh, an audition scene that uh, he had seen with Will Ferrell at, for SNL where he had, was pretending to be a cat. And Will was talking about, I, I st- Will was saying, I still remember that day just laying on the floor, <laughs> swatting my hands and feet around going, this is it. This is where my career ends. <laughs> There's no way I'm going anywhere from here. <laughs> and then, then in retrospect, he's like, but it turned out to be one of the things that got me the role. All in. Yeah. So he's. 
He's he's definitely got a great comedic command of of his his motions and actions and which is also kind of interesting because he's very tall. Like mm-hmm. whenever you see cuz you don't see a lot of tall people who like who are that like smooth with the way they can can control their body. Mm-hmm. Either that or I just have a lot of clumsy friends. <laughs> it's also a possibility. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying this not as I haven't done any research on that. I'm just mm-hmm. it's just things I've observed. Maybe I just don't notice the graceful people. <laughs> they just blend into the background. I see the guy who's flailing about like he doesn't know what to do with his arms and legs. <laughs> Always looking for the outliers. <laughs> like Malcolm Gladwell over here. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so here they are uh, getting to actually know each other a little better and actually deciding that they're going to stop antagonizing each other. Mm-hmm. So that's she- a great place to start a relationship, by the way. Not for you specifically, but for anyone who's listening. <laughs> we're, we're, we're well past We're started. well past that. I think we might actually be back to antagonizing each other. <laughs> Come full circle. <laughs> here's to here's to the next ten years. <laughs> Ooh, I like her light fixture. Oh, that is cool. <laughs> but I mean, you and you contrast her world to Harold's. This one's all bright. It's mm-hmm. a little chaotic. It's but it's mostly orderly. But there's beautiful colors. Um, the guitar is just laying on the couch. I'm sure Harold's is would would never just be thrown over the side of a couch like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely things from her past. You know, I'm guessing her grandma crocheted that blanket on the couch. Uh, well, it may yeah. have been her because she said she was going to her knitting, her knitters oh, meeting. Oh yes, her anarchist <laughs> knitters yeah. meeting. So, yeah, and a lot of, yeah, a lot of vintage style stuff here, very uh, apropos to the uh, hippie bakery owner. Mm-hmm. And this scene, this scene is really great because you and I both being musicians know it is so hard to sing like you have never really sung before. Uh-huh. And do it for any extended amount of time. Like I, I can, like because you, you, you're, you spend like, so much time mm-hmm. trying to get your voice to do the right thing. Yeah. That when you're telling yourself <laughs> not to sing, it's like he, he accidentally turned the click track on when we started recording, and as he was joking that if it was on. We would like beats talking to the beat. Yeah. I'm like, it's so hard not to keep a beat when Stay you know how to keep a beat. Metronome. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, it's 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 really this scene I and what's funny is I've seen him do this kind of thing in a couple SNL skits and in a couple different movies. But he's he's actually, you know, he's there. Now, um, I will say the funniest thing I've seen Will Ferrell do musically is the drum off with Chad Smith. 
Did I show oh, you yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. The, the drummer for, uh, for... Do we need to give a heads up here for this scene or anything? Um, I don't think there's any nudity. I think okay. there's just lots of kissing. Okay. And I, I couldn't think, remember. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, Chad Smith, uh, the drummer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, looks so much like Will Ferrell that the first time I saw Chad Smith on the cover of Drummer... Uh, uh, drummer magazine, one of the drum magazines. I can't remember which one it was, but drum magazine, <laughs> drummer What's magazine. Will Ferrell doing that? I really was. I, I saw it. I'm like, what is Will Ferrell doing on the cover of of drum? I, that was, I can't remember which one it was, but and then um, I guess enough people have made comment to. Oh, that just pains me. The guitar, the guitar just dropped being dropped on the floor. In the floor. No. Oh. What are you doing? Even in the cartoons, when they drop the grand pianos out this the <laughs> second, third floor windows, I'm like, ah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they they look so much alike, and I guess there was enough uh, commentary among around the internet that one one talk show. I think I want to say who was it? Was it uh, was it Conan O'Brien had him on? Sounds you, right. Well, we'll link to that too because it's really funny. So apparently they collected their close in the mm. little pile there <laughs> i do love the halo effect that the bed frame gives mm -hmm. um when he has decided to embrace grace we want to take that analogy oh. somewhere mm. trying to be careful here yeah <laughs> you know yeah. don't take all of our analogies seriously or or literally oh yeah like and so, or prescriptively, maybe that's the word. He's in a comedy. We think he thinks mm. at this moment. If the movie ended now, <laughs> the book movie. Yeah, know. yeah, that's true. Yeah, if the book ended right now, we'd be okay. Mm -hmm. The end. Although the question is, if she types the end, is Harold done for anyway? Does he just stop? Good question. Well, no, 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 it's no, because he would, <laughs> he, he didn't die. Well, I mean, unless there's any he worry about whether. He would continue in his bliss, right? Like any movie, you know, they lived happily ever after, it's the end. But just. But does, they just continue living happily ever after. But does she have to, um, does she have to say he lived happily ever after? No, because he's living happily ever after. Well, but he's not. He's still living another part of the book right now. He just doesn't know it. Wow. Okay. Well, I think he knows he's living the book. Yes. And this is where he figures out right here who the narrator is. And I just realized that the interviewer is Kristen Chenoweth. Is that someone I should know? I'm yes, terrible with names. Musical theater. Okay. Um, and she's an Okie. Is she? She's from Oklahoma. Well, um, I actually think she went through OU, maybe University of Oklahoma. Yeah. And uh, she was. Uh, she played opposite um, Matthew Broderick in the new Music Man. Well, it's not new anymore, but it's newer than the, the, the old new, one. The newest, <laughs> not not the one with Ron Howard. Yes, but the one that's yeah been made since then. Yeah, so Ron Howard, yeah, the Music Man. Mm-hmm. It's way back in the day. Of course, it was. I guess that was before. That was after Winthrop. 
It was after uh, the Andy Griffith show, wasn't yeah. it? So that, that's, for I think, that's where he Maybe around the same time. So, yeah, Ron Howard's been in movies for a long minute. Mm -hmm. And so Hilbert's explaining that Eiffel always kills her heroes. Every single time. Every time. Every time. <laughs> so, yeah, and that she's untraceable. She's a recluse and a hermit, as many writers tend to be. Mm-hmm. And so what I, what I think is interesting is there is this recurring theme. We can kind of talk about this just a little bit is that all through the movie, what's the thing he's, he's being told by, uh, Dustin Hoffman's character by, uh, is Hilbert? Yes. Hilbert. By Hilbert's character is you have to die. Mm-hmm. That's the recurring thing. You have to mm -hmm. die. You have to die. And he says it over and over. And I do love the apples uh, make a huge appearance in the movies here. Um, you've got the, the, the apple at the beginning with Harold's got it. He's running with it in his mouth. Mm -hmm. um, then here you have the apple is the device that leads to her figuring out. It's the, the knowledge, mm -hmm. the fruit of knowledge. Good evil. No, and there's a tree. Mm -hmm. As soon as she walks in, I have not noticed that before. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Escher was laying out the design uh -huh. on the floor. And so, yeah, I, um, but yeah, so this idea that. In order for Harold to fulfill his purpose, he has to die. So that's, I think that's kind of an interesting, like parallel with the Christian message that we have to die to ourselves mm -hmm. yeah. to become alive in Christ. Yeah. So I figured you probably picked up I, on I that, but it. I thought I should yeah. finish the sentence. Yeah. So now I do find it interesting that there is. There's the rough, there's the outline. She can write the outline for it on legal sheets, but until she actually gets over to the typewriter, the magical and typewriter, hammering it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, which leads per perfect will <laughs> versus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. I'm not sure how I, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that kind of philosophy anymore. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's, I remember. Uh, I think it was senior Bible in high school. I remember seeing on the chalkboard teacher writing out this line, you know, and it was very, uh, very Baptist theology. Mm -hmm. Um, and this line that was like basically plan a, and it may have even said plan a, and there was a line at the beginning and the little line at the end. And then somewhere in the middle, the line skewed. Hmm. But then eventually, by the time it got to the end line, it got back on track to the, you know, yeah. the original line. Was that so the I'm whole, like, well, like, that's kind of simplistic, but. Was yeah. that the whole the perfect will and permissive will uh -huh. of, yeah. of God type thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, I can write it out on this legal pad. This is kind of the plan. 
mm-hmm. but it doesn't actually, it's not actually real until I type it in and this is what actually happens. Yeah. And I, lo- I love the, the gatekeeper here and he's like insisting that he's in the book. I'm in her, I'm in her book. <laughs> and she's like, she's like no. just staring blankly. <laughs> yeah. Are you really expect me to believe this? Yeah. So now of course, uh, he goes and finds her file, but now, I do have another question, and I know this is superfluous, but so it doesn't happen until she types it. Mm-hmm. Because I want to know, is it that typewriter? Or has books she's written on other typewriters not come true? Am I getting too far afield here? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're, you're, you're going way out there. <laughs> I'm just... Maybe. Although she asks later, you know, like how many, yeah, how many people have I killed? Yeah, well, I mean, because I mean, if you think about it, if it's the story of Harold and his watch and how the watch saves life, it could be the story about the writer and her typewriter as well. Yeah, for so, sure. You know, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there because it's kind of goofy, but yeah. So, what? Excuse me. One uh, Christian review site that I. I've kind of perused because I always like to kind of look and see what they have to say. Uh, it was kind of funny. They, they uh, mentioned that they're talking about bad things in the film. And one of the bad things that was in the film was that he used his uh, access to IRS records oh. to find Karen's mm-hmm. address mm-hmm. of <laughs> the writer. And this scene right here is just, it's so intense, but it's so goofy at the same time. <laughs> and his intent to call the other ghost, no matter how many quarters it took. And then her description of each, the first phone was dead. And <laughs> she forces them into the subway. Yeah. This way out. I love it. He runs past a sign that says this way out. And what's he trying Mm -hmm. to do? He's trying to get out of his fate. (laughs) He's trying to not die. And so what are he? So he has the. The first one failed to give a dial tone. The (laughs) second one seemed to be splattered with a fresh batch of mucus. Gross. (laughs) Rather die. Yeah. It's like, uh, (laughs) just, just, nope. Kill me now. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> Heck of a way to go. <laughs> Death by someone else's mucus. Oh, let's move on. <laughs> well, she talked about pneumonia. Yeah. So it's <laughs> coming <true>. back. <laughs> oh, the phone rang. She's finally connecting the dots. And so here you have... It's just, it's so interesting because I want I wanted to know what tip, I, you know, I, I mentioned that there was the boy on the bike and the lady on the bus every other time she was doing her research. But I want to know, did she notice them? Is that how she got tipped off to the fact that she might be writing reality? I don't know. And so... And now she's like, what? I mean, come on, that would freak you out a little bit too, Uh, right? Oh, yes. Although, I don't think any of my characters would have uh, gotten saved by this method because 
I don't answer anyone's phone. <laughs> text me. I, yeah, you're gonna, text me. You're going to have to text me. Mm. Yeah. Leave a message. <laughs> Although he did call three times. Well, uh, he rang, let it ring, ring three times. Yeah. It rang the other thing times. I noticed, and this may have nothing to do with anything, but she is barefoot. And all the way through, she's been in her professional pumps. Uh-huh. It's like she's seating control. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm... No, she's not barefoot here. Oh, okay. She's just wearing sorry, flats. Sorry. Okay. My bad. They were just covered by her pants. I legs. was going too far afield that time. That's not even in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just go making up shoes. <laughs> <sighs> Oh my goodness. So yeah, I love this where he's it, it it's just very interesting that she is looking at her creation. Yeah. And and I don't know what this says. I mean, because you really think about it, because you have she kind of set up this this character that in order to make her masterpiece, she has to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. And, of course, people have all kinds of opinions about God. And they're like, Mm -hmm. well, if God has to kill people in order to make something great, then he can't be that great. And so, you know, you kind of run into this issue between free will and predestination. And what does predestination look like? How do you define predestination without God being some kind of puppet master? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, it's a tough discussion to get into because right. it takes a lot to to wrap your head around these different ideas. And so I find it interesting, though, because Harold comes to the creator here on his own mm-hmm. and pleads his case. Mm-hmm. And she's not convinced, even though she's seen him. Mm-hmm. And so it's I find it very intriguing here because you kind of have this parallel of you know we can't we can't convince god to do anything to 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 you know on our own we can't do anything to save ourselves mm-hmm. well but if and then if you go back to uh eiffel as the father god figure mm-hmm. and um will ferrell i forgot crick as the jesus figure he does have to die well, he you does. Know, and it's not, you know, you were saying, like, if people have to die or whatever, we don't have to die, you know? <laughs> but, but, but through death, you find life. <laughs> right, right, right. Die to ourselves. But, yeah. you know, but, you know, if you're, if you're thinking of it that way, it's just, just Jesus. Not, not just Jesus. <laughs> that sounded. It's just right. Jesus. That's, that's not what I meant. <laughs> He's the one that has to die, you know? Right. Well, and see, okay, here... And he does go to God and pleads his case well, before see, he goes to the cross, you know? <laughs> right, right. But I, I do think, okay, so I think what we have here, though, is we kind of have people switching scenes. And I think mm-hmm. for a second, you have mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman kind of s- switching scenes. And he kind of steps into this Christ switching role. Switching characters. Well, yes, 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 characters. Uh, switching archetypal res- representations. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> if you will. I'm sorry to make you say that. I didn't want to say it. Uh, Okay, go ahead. And I barely could. Um, But (laughs) sorry, 
but you have him kind of stepping into this role where um where uh Harold is taking his taking presenting his case before Christ and saying I need you to help me. I need you to find a way for me to live. And it's I find that interesting. Is he on the judgment seat? And that well I was thinking he's sitting on a throne and he's what? He's the lifeguard. He's the lifeguard. To me, to, there, I mean, uh-huh. just the symbols are all over this thing in and, so many different places. Yeah. And he gives him his, like, book of his life. Like, uh huh. what's your judgment? Do I really have to die? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here we are with the character we saw in one of the early scenes that we've seen, like, throughout in just little snippets yeah well it's the it's the boy in the and bus the driver boy on the bike yeah yeah they they they've been well they've been in all of harold's death scenes mm-hmm. and then here again you have harold haloed by the bed I, I think that's a very fantastic effect because you have harold now he's you're supposed to think of him as a saint and now hilbert is as that's <laughs> what that was gonna sound as dressed as he's ever been he's got his shoes on he's got his vest he's got his suit coat he's not in his office anymore no that's his office is Is it i thought it was a um like foyer area it may be i could be wrong but you know it's much more formal Mm -hmm. he's not as relaxed and laid back yeah that's not oh yeah it's not that's not the office so we're in a different setting Yeah, and we're out where we can see everything and peer over all of creation mm-hmm. or the whatever that mall is there. The campus. <laughs> <laughs> and I love this, that Harold has, it's this moment of surrender. Mm-hmm. It's that whatever it is, I'm going to do what I have to do. and And looking upon... Harold's life, you know, in this Christ role, Dustin Hoffman's character says, yeah, you have to die. It's the most stunning novel her career. Uh-huh. Like, this is for her glory, perhaps. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's about her. Yep, and so... You have this this confrontation, you have this acceptance that, okay, if that's what it takes, because otherwise I just die a lonely, meaningless life, and just only ever count numbers. Getting some funny noise. Yeah, I was wondering if it was raining or something. So, so I'll try to catch yes. that in post. He's like, can't we just try and see if she'll change it? Right. And so, yeah, this is where he kind of convinces him that, you know, do you, would it make a difference if you, if you lived or you died? And I, I think that's kind of, I love this scene because we kind of have to get to that point where whether I live or whether I die, it doesn't matter. And we have to be willing to say whatever God wants me to do. 
And again, we're not saying that God is a vindictive writer in the sky. Writer in the sky, not writer in the sky. But who who just enjoys tormenting people. I don't have that image of God in mind. I mean, especially when you get to the end of it and you see what's going on. And so, you know, of course, those of you know who, who know me don't, you know, you know that I don't believe that every single moment is hand scripted by God. I think that God has a plan, and the point of the Bible is God's going to accomplish his plan with a whole bunch of people who are really screwed up, and regardless of which people <laughs> sign up to help, he's going to get the job done. And I think we see that over and over in the stories of the Old Testament and things like that. And so here you have the God character here using an unknown IRS agent to uh, tell a beautiful story. So, what? I wasn't sure where you're going with that. I, I, I knew where I wanted to go. I just I lost the words for a second. Ride the bus. He's going to ride the bus. So. And now this, I'm getting all verklempt. <laughs> well, this scene is is pretty amazing and comical at the same time that he sets. And <laughs> that he sits there and reads the whole story all the way through. On the bus even goes back to the bus station and or the garage it goes through the cleaner and he's still sitting there the next day have we talked about the bus as a character i haven't talked about the bus as a character um very few lines um <laughs> there there's a whole bunch of lines right there but i they're all yellow fair enough but sorry but very convincing i believed it was a bus <laughs> All the way through. <laughs> and here is uh, Emma Thompson's character <laughs> at the... She's obviously lost her mind. Uh, peak breakdown, is that where we are right here? Yeah, we found it. And this is where she asks, how many, how many people do you think I've killed? Eight, maybe, depending on the typewriter. Yeah. but i do love this where they're you know she's saying you know the penny's trying to convince her well you know they're all fiction and she's like well no obviously not right like penny's just terrible skeptic which makes me wonder more about escher oh she killed a school teacher the day before summer vacation yeah. Terrible. Yeah, she well, she even says so. She said yeah. she says, How, How cruel. cruel is that? <laughs> Sorry, so, you were gonna say makes you wonder about Escher. Yeah, and uh, Escher's view on God if, if Escher or if Escher was a skeptic or not. So But I do love that you have He's highlight in the scene as he gets to the end. He's the colors around him are brighter, even though he's in the same place. Like you're talking about, there's that transformation. It's all the the 
blurred lights in the background, the reflections, the things like that, that really highlight that there's light in his world now because he, he, because he gets to be part of yeah. something beautiful. He comes up on Eiffel and is like, ha ha, I'll get you first. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Plot twist. Now we're going with Nietzsche. Uh, <laughs> Which, never mind. Sorry. I'm not going on that trail. Mm. <laughs> but he just says it was beautifully written. I love the part about the guitars. Go ahead and finish it. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And it is. It's a beautiful story. And so he goes, you know, in this moment of, again, giving it back over. Here's the story. This is complete and utter surrender. And says, I, I'm willing, I'm willing to die. And so we kind of have this, even though it's the story, uh, handing it over, it's kind of that moment of like Abraham and Isaac going on. Mm-hmm. And so. Gets. Gets Dave's space. Camp. Yeah. <laughs> Past a space camp. Um, spends the night with Anna. So, yeah. Doing all the things I think you'd do if you knew you were going to die soon. Yeah. Finished his outstanding audits. Yes. That is really funny. That it speaks to the Harold character. Yeah, yeah. I've changed so much, but some things will never change. Yeah, it's a point of honor with him mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. And so, and I love this, though, um, that the things he wants to tell her is, one, I adore you. And the other thing is, if you claim all the... Charitable all the, the, donations. Yeah, all the, the all the muffins you give all the to muffins the homeless. you give away to homeless is charitable donations. Yeah, you can you can get away you can get out of your audit. And and then here you have Grace saying, No, the whole point is to break the law. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or to to stop the part of the law that's unjust. <laughs> right, right. And so it's you have this interesting juxtaposition. And so there's a lot to play with whenever you get into this imagery. And I'm, I know I'm probably being terribly inarticulate with a lot of this, but it, I, I just see so many symbols in this movie um, where you have the, the different ways that God and Christ are represented throughout it. After um, watching the interview with Mark Forster, it made a lot more sense to me. Like he was very intentional of mm-hmm. a lot of these, like just the little details, you know, I tend to think like overarching themes and whatnot, but I think oh, it's just a movie. You know, we might be reading too <laughs> much into that, but after that interview and the interview with Dustin Hoffman and just reading a little more like, no, I really wanted to do something different and meaningful. and. So I think there was a lot of thought put into all those little nuances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, for, I guess I 
was looking away last time I watched this. I don't remember this scene. I don't remember him going back to his apartment. Oh. Remember the scene where Eiffel was at the at the top of the tower? <laughs> um, <laughs> where she like jumped off or slipped? Yeah. Like, is she like referencing back to see what I know, wonder what did she choose? I wonder. I wonder if that was to tea, yeah. Kind of tease you. Uh-huh. I do find it really weird that he's kind of going back to that place where he was forced into motion. Mm-hmm. And here we have the apple. And I do find it interesting they're all green. Mm-hmm. All the apples in this movie are green apples. And so I kind of wonder if that's kind of a, a nod to incomplete knowledge, um, immature knowledge, bitter knowledge, pre-knowledge. Yeah. Just different. Yeah. I I mean, I'm curious. Uh, I, I, I looked up some stuff and I could, I couldn't find anything that really touched on the, like that really, it was able to explain anything in a concrete. Yes. The writer wanted to do this kind of way. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you found a lot better information than I did. Oh, the electric typewriter. To we the had Googles. one of those. The Googles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So we find out this, his watch was set three minutes fast. Mm-hmm. So he was early to the bus rather than just running to get on. As usual. Right. Mm-hmm. And here it is. The tragic scene. Bam. Had he not been Three early, minutes. that other guy was going for the uh-huh. kid too. Did you see that? Yeah. Would have been him instead. Yeah. So and, and then the apple falling to the ground with the bites out of it. <laughs> Apparently the nicotine patches have not worked. Oh man. Tell you that scene uh, that scene's intense. <laughs> uh, and in here and here you have probably kinda, should have given a oh yeah trigger warning on that yeah, one. It's a little tragic. Sorry, everyone. But okay, so here in here you have another like role change. You've got um here you have uh the writer character uh Eiffel um sacrificing in order mm-hmm. to save Harold. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things I mean you, it's again and I know that's one of the themes that I I I pick to talk about on a lot of these movies but that's really the the idea of it is so ingrained in our culture that you can't help but see it in these. And I love here that there's this scene between the two of them. Now that she's completed the book, she's put her, she's got herself put back together. Mm -hmm. And when, uh, she, she's now going to confess to Dustin Hoffman and it's kind of interesting because 
It's a very similar role as uh, the messenger in Joan of Arc, where he kind of plays this. You're supposed to think he's a dark character, but it's actually supposed to be God, I think, in the movie. But, but he kind of plays this person that everyone's confessing to all the time. Hmm. Yeah. So she's kind of looking a little sheepish. Mm-hmm. She's like, I know it's not my best work, but... Well, and that's the thing, because she sacrificed her glory, her, mm-hmm. her masterpiece. And, and I love the line that, that she says, um, I forget exactly how she phrases it, but it was something to the effect of anyone who's willing to die for the sake of someone else, isn't that the kind of man you'd want to keep alive? Mm. And so here you have... After Harold has surrendered, surrendered, surrendered to his fate and decided to sacrifice himself not only for the greater glory, but also to save a boy, literally, pull him mm-hmm. out of the street. I mean, it, it really is. It all kind of comes together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Amazingly, a shard of metal from your watch. <laughs> so really, the watch was the, the real savior in this, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and I love this. And, and, and so what's really funny is you have the doctor who's very flat mm-hmm. in his delivery. And then when Anna comes back in, I feel like in this last scene, she's kind of a caricature. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I don't know if that was an intentional move, but I kind of wonder if that was put in there to make it feel more like, well, this is just how I had to write it to wrap it up kind of a thing that, that, that Eiffel did because she wasn't really into writing every, this as much as she was the rest of the story. Right. Well, she wasn't, she's not into comedies. Like, this is probably how she views comedies. Right. Like, really trite, um, you know, one-dimensional character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's, that's kind of what I wonder, because you see, uh, you know, Maggie Gyllenhaal, she's, she looks a little different. She's more put together. Um, her expressions are over the top. And so it's, it just, it really, to me, that's, that's one of the questions I kind of have about this. And so I think she's getting ready to deliver that line here in just a minute. But it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's not great. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's not great. And I love that she's kind of, she came in all put together and now she's just kind of playing with her toes. And Well, and now Dustin Hoffman has his shoes on and she's barefoot. Uh-huh. Kind of switched roles again there. Yeah. And He's it, pronounced his judgment and now she's, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it really is amazing that the transformation the characters go through. And again, like you said, no one's gone anywhere, but everything has changed. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's got shoes on. I keep thinking, why do I keep thinking everyone's barefoot? I don't know. 
What does that mean? <laughs> Gosh. I'm going to go see that psychiatrist. What does it mean when I see bare feet? When there are no bare feet. I'm not hearing voices. I'm seeing bare feet. Ooh, the cookies. Mm, the cookies. So, which technically, aren't those store-bought cookies that come from a bakery? <laughs> he didn't purchase them. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Store-made. Store-made. <laughs> oh. And see, I guarantee you he's probably, well, okay, okay, I thought she was, there was a scene where she kind of like lays down next to him like, that's probably not at all comfortable for him He's right on now. so much morphine. Oh, uh, that's probably true. <laughs> He's in that mini cast. He's probably got some morphines. Oh. Have to have our anti-smoking. going to leave some nicotine patches. Yep. I got to oh. say, if I had just started as a bus driver and I hit somebody, I I'm would. I'm out. Uh, First day and last day. Oh, yeah. That would have, yeah, that would have shaken me up. Because, man, I've, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff on the highway. <laughs> so i guess this is sometime later yeah he's not wearing his cast the fast healer that one <laughs> maybe these are we have flash oh yeah these flashbacks. must be flashback yeah. scenes yeah but yeah this is okay yeah yeah there he is so kind of wrapping it up here this is uh we didn't really do a whole lot of talking about, like, what did you think? Did you like this movie? I do like this movie. I think, um, I think I like it more after we've been discussing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just tonight, but previously, because it makes a little more sense, you know, like all the, um, imagery and connections and, yeah. All that. Yeah, there's I, I think this is one of those movies where it's it's for me it's really easy to look at it and just say That's weird. I, well, that's not what I was gonna uh, say. Oh, that's what I would say. But no, to to look at it and go, people have a rudimentary understanding of what the gospel is about, uh, regardless of who you are. And mm -hmm. I think we're I think we that I think that truth calls to us all the time in some way. And so these are some ways looking at these movies and discussing them are some ways that we can really kind of springboard into some ideas that, hey, we're God, God's looking for us and he's, he's put mm -hmm. his message in some obvious places and mm -hmm. the, that whether that's nature or the, the heart and mind of, of a creator and an artist and a writer and a producer and all that stuff, mm -hmm. whether or not they heed that call is on them. Uh, and on us, um, you know, not to say you can get to the gospel just by watching this movie or any movie necessarily, unless they specifically spell out the gospel in the movie. I don't know, but that's getting a whole nother topic. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a good yeah. springboard into a good conversation, yeah. I think. Um, something that uh, I was thinking about, um, our daughter got a book from her grandma for her birthday and um was reading it to her the other night before bed and 
it was all, it was kind of like the seven days of creation, but it was all about God being creative. And so it was like on the first day, God was creative by doing this and this and this. And it was all like rhyming, but I can't remember it. I've only read it once. But mm-hmm. then each day it said, and he, you know, was creative by doing this and this and this and this and this and this. And it was like, I grew up with such a like dictator in the sky view of God. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're supposed to do this. If you don't do this, then you're in trouble. And if you. Which is really funny because wasn't the denomination you were raised in Arminian? Yes. And I, it wasn't necessarily like step-by-step step prescription do this do that but like it was basically like 10 commandments yeah you know um and honor your father and mother and elders in the church were like the highest very legalistic yeah and so like that was more it was like the big judge in the sky kind of mm-hmm. view of god growing up um until we got a pastor when i was in high school at started preaching more on grace and things like that. And, Mm -hmm. but it's still like those things are still kind of there, you know, but, but I, what I loved about this book anyhow was it was very simplistic because it's written for children, but it, um, but it was all about God is creative. God's not just the creator, but he is creative, Mm -hmm. which I think we often, when we grow up in the church, we don't think about that. Like, Right. He's the creator. But we think that like stopped after the first seven days, if you're going with literal seven days. And then, but now it's like, oh, like he was an artist. Yeah. He was a inventor. He was a scientist. He yeah. was a, you know, like all of these things. And um, I thought that was really cool. And then, you know, like what you said, like God is out there in all of these different places, even, mm-hmm. you know, in this the mind of this director and writer, like whether it was specifically, you know, Jesus or a higher power or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it was like, I think it's just good to be looking for that and to realize that. And to, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. No. And I I think that that kind of ties in with, with what Emily, Emily and I talked about on the, the, our our Beatitudes series on, on uh, faith and other oddities. We're talking about how, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I think that doesn't just mean that we get to see God after we die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that means that if, you're, if your heart's pure, if you're looking for the good and wonderful things, you'll see where God is working in the world and in the universe and how we can find those things. So, yeah. Do you have anything else? Did you mention the um, quote of where the title of the film came from on no. coming attractions. No, is there I, that I might didn't be know a good there was a place, big story. That might be the good place to end. So quote by Lord Byron. Okay. Tis strange, but true. For truth is always strange, stranger than fiction. <laughs> Sounds like a good place to end. <laughs> so there we have it. Stranger than fiction. Uh one of my personal favorite movies. Um hopefully you enjoyed it and hopefully you enjoyed us talking over it. So if you want to be part of the conversation, be sure to hit us up on social media, facebook.com slash the commentarians, Twitter at the commentarians pod, Instagram at the comments pod or ravencreeksc.com where you can find this and other shows uh, brought to you by the Raven Creek social club. We are glad to be here. 
And thank you so much for listening. If you really like the show, um, hit up patreon.com slash the commentarians and maybe pass a couple bucks over there to, to Joe, help keep uh, our hosting fees paid up and all that. So thank you again so much for, uh, for joining us and we hope you come back and join us next month. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the commentarians podcast, a Raven Creek social club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives, of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.